horror story about a cursed poet. So take heed. <clears throat> and it is called uh, the dra the draft epitaph. Ankle deep in scrunched up verse, the poet gave one mighty curse, and certain things could get no worse. Made plans for suicide. With no pound coins for the gas meter, he plugged in his electric heater, ran a bath and placed it teetering on the bath side. But just before he took the plunge, his iron courage turned to sponge, and he demurred if to expunge his life just there and then. Instead, he'd use his poetry to compose for all to see his own perfect obituary and send it to his friends. Without a moment's hesitation, he began his last creation, and looking for some inspiration, he googled his own name. Into his laptop, now online, he typed the words Timothy Lime, and after just a little time, 12,000 searches came. His own web page, as you'd expect, was full of written intellect, but hardly gave much retrospect as to the author's worth. Some poetry groups gave him mention, but none of them paid attention to his skill or motivation, or even place of birth. The tenth search down there on the screen seemed not in place, out of routine with all the other sites he'd seen which gave his name a mention. For all to see on full display, the first his wonder, then dismay. He saw his name was on eBay in the collector's section. On close review and full of caution, he saw his soul was being auctioned, an act so morally contortioned it made the poor lad blub. And what was worse was that the bid, the only one for 20 quid, minutes before, but God forbid, was made by Beelzebub. Without thoughts for holy doctrines, forgetting all his love of Dawkins, Tim let his money do the talking and up the bid amount. He felt quite silly sitting there, sweating in the cold night air, but thinking 50 pence quite fair, he checked his bank account, but wavered as the refresh screen, which showed some extra crash, had been boosted by another 15 more pounds by BLZ. For the first time that, that he could attest, Tim pondered at the bit time left and saw that midnight, 10 minutes at best, was the end deadline ahead. As he raised another 10 pounds, Timothy tried to search around for any bona fide grounds for his sole sale existing. His photo had a tortured air, condition used seemed harsh but fair, but the words that made him stop and stare was the descriptive listing. A worthless soul in England made, wear and tear as displayed, untried, untested, will part trade for any amount lowly. Age and original cost unknown, listed as bore, poet, drone, coming from a smoke-free home, home collection only. Feeling as if he'd split apart, Timothy knew he must restart, take back his life, his soul, his heart, and bid for all his worth. All his sparse savings, shares and loans, his trust fund, which he's long since blown, and family ties, which he's disowned, only affirmed his dearth. His woe, the woeful sum he scraped together, his fingers, fingers going hell for leather, up the bid but wondered whether he'd best try patient tactics and wait till there was no time left for any further bid requests, when suddenly the, the screen refreshed and threw up fresh climactics. The devil, or it must be him, with minutes left had bid again, and one more penny than poor Tim had left in the whole world. A coincidence, it could not be. An inside job conspiracy, or Satan's curse was as likely. Conflicting theories whirled. 
So as you hear this awful verse, think what you'd do to save a cursed poet from the very worst fate that he could greet, especially one that just writes trash, poems as bad as nettle rash. Would you bid with your own cash? If so, then we should meet. But Timmy Lyon had no time left. He clutched his pen and set to draft the finest written epitaph that man had yet designed. For if he wrote without delay a perfect poem straight away, proved false description on eBay, the bid might get declined. Tim finished with no time left over, threw his pen over his shoulder, saw the screen read auction over and screamed half petrified. Ankle deep and scrunched up verse, the poet gave one mighty curse and certain things could get no worse, made plans for. Thank you. <laughs> Superb. You're all very patient. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wish I was recording that so I could donate to the fake bank account that you flash. <laughs> oh, oh. I can always uh, flash that again. <laughs> right on. Wait, so that, that, no, I've never seen that one before. That one's really new, huh? No, no, it's old, but I don't perform it very often because, yeah, um, it's so great. Wait, will you do it at the Halloween finale fringe extravaganza? What, when's this? On Halloween. On Halloween itself, brilliant. On Halloween itself, yeah, that this festival that started CPCL that we are dipping up into tonight, the Choose Coach, the stay-at-home fringe festival, is ending on Halloween with an open mic, but you should be the closer. Oh yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. I've got, loads, I've got loads of horrible, you know, stories, you know, yeah, ghostly stories. That's what I really. really and obviously, obviously, everybody else is invited as well to the fringe finale extravaganza on Halloween. I, I'm sorry, I still haven't made the. Um, I haven't made the logo for it yet, so it's not up on the. It's called Untitled so far, isn't it, on the program? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm in already. <laughs> No, but yeah, everybody should come to that. Um, I think it, when it's all, it's, I, I don't have a count. I do have a calendar. Halloween's on a Saturday this year, so it's like Saturday night. And just like the um, well, anyways, I've oh also on that in during the finale, the fridge finale extravaganza. My shtick that evening is at the very beginning I'm gonna have somebody pull a tarot card from my deck and then I'll go away and write a poem using the tarot and like perhaps obviously try to respond to that person and then come back with the tarot card. And so like every five readers I'll be pulling tarot cards and read and then writing poems about like the tarot. So that if that is enticing as well. But yeah, bring your scary stuff and also anything that you have like eco-feminist wise. Like just kind of making it like more of like a Samhain thing than a like a oh I'm a baddie old lady with a parsnip on her face strapped to her nose. So yeah. Anyways. So it's minutes over and Pam I think is closing us out. So You are officially out.
<laughs> you are unplugged. Thank you, everyone. That was awesome. Another amazing poetry reading. What a fun time. I love Choose Poetry, Choose Life. I'm super excited to perform with Andy Talbot this Friday. We're going to be doing a Zoom thing. It's going to be really exciting. Right now, I'm going to play you an old Some Call Me Tim. Seated. Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Asiento. Meet friends for... There we go. Hey, it's eight o'clock, and we're here with a very special podcast. We're just Kasim. Yeah, I'm, I, I, so I downloaded an old song called "Me Tim." There it is. You know what time it is? Time for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 Special Edition. Special, special edition here. Um, there are some who call me Tim. I didn't time it right. Tim. There it is. There are some who call me Tim. It's the show where we talk about what people believe in and what keeps them from killing themselves. Just kidding. No, what what keeps people alive and their belief system and where they came from and all that kind of stuff coming out of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, searching for the Holy Grail. They come across a sorcerer. They ask him his name and he says, there are some who call me Tim. And that the search for the meaning of life is constant and wonderful. And here we are today with April Gallaty. Hello. Out of Portland, Oregon. Hello. I heard you in here talking to yourself. Yeah. I was, I was taking artistic pictures of your of your entrance to Mutiny Radio oh. for posting on Instagram later. Oh, good. Yes. Support. Yes, support please. The, support. Hashtag MCRF5 Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest. Absolutely. I don't understand any of the platforms, but I know that they're important. <laughs> they mean they, something. They, there's a belief system there, and I, uh, I should believe in Instagram more than I do. Yep. So usually I have people turn around and okay. look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, <laughs> Spark- and I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I do not. He never lived. He never walked the earth. He isn't the son of God. No. All just a big old story. All just a big old story. Just one of many. Made up by... Humans, for their purposes and needs, to find a way not to kill themselves every day. Ah, so you don't subscribe to this external morality kind of thing? No. How do you not kill people every day if no one tells you what's right and wrong? I have no desire to kill people. I kill as much as I like every day. Yeah? Yep. All right. I think uh, Penn Teller, Penn and Teller, um, Penn of Penn and Teller, no. Yes, the tall one. The uh-huh, tall one that uh-huh. talks. Sure. I think that's Penn, is the one who says that uh, somebody had asked him, like, if he doesn't believe in a God, then how does he not keep from raping? And he's like, I rape as much as I want to every yeah. day. <laughs> that's With zero yeah. raping. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Atkins just joining us. Uh-oh. Aaron <laughs> Atkins. Hello. Here we are, and some call me Tim. No, the other, this, sit, do this one. Oh, you gotta, this is a better he knows mic. he's been here before. Uh, Aaron Atkins, Hello, look, deep, look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus behind you. Do you believe in Jesus? Not as a deity, but as a person, yeah. Oh, okay. So he did walk the earth. April says no walking the earth. Never existed. Nah. Not a real guy. I no. believe that, too. 
I can believe that too. I, I just give him the benefit of the doubt and saying that he was at least real, but definitely not magical. It's just it's the human need to be tribal, and it's easier to keep. I think people kind of in line with things, give them something to work towards, and explain mysteries of life kind of all in one convenient package. Yeah. Jesus is a nice convenient stuff. package. Yeah, it's yeah. the current one, and it's, it seems to be losing hold. You know, who knows what the next one's going to be. Yeah. Well, that's what we were saying yesterday is that religion just provides, like, meaning for people. And you, yeah. need, you need that meaning, you know? Otherwise, you're lost without it. Uh, yeah, what is your... So, and that's the thing. It, well, so, this is funny. I grew up so Christian, and I used to watch movies. And if there was no God component, I'd, like, look up at my parents, and I'd be like, I don't understand this movie. How are they living without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Like, so how weird. are they even <laughs> finding any meaning? Or they have never mentioned him, not even once. How can this even be a story? Who are these characters? It's bizarre. Because I was so, <laughs> like, yeah, sheltered and yeah. weird about... Uh, just because my whole life was surrounded around this relationship with Jesus Christ, it was hard for me to imagine that people lived their life without that. It's crazy. Yeah, well, and for, for me growing up, it was like, um, you know, like my, I remember my neighbors went to church all the time. Like the mom, the dad, and the two sons went to church all the time. And all my brothers and sisters always went to church with them. So by proxy, I went as well. How did you know they were going to church? Because they dressed up? Yeah. I mean, they were all just leaving the house as a group. They could have been going to Denny's. Uh, no, well, they were all leaving Formal the house Denny's. as a group. They were all going to the same place. Okay. I know because I went with them. Okay, okay. And um, it was one of those things, like, I would sit back and I would watch how people would, like, put their hands up in the air and the swang back and forth. You could tell there was some feeling there. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was missing out on something. Like, I never... I just never got that. You and never got like, the community. feels from Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, what is that? And so I, I was telling you earlier about the uh, paint can bead theory. Mm -hmm. um, this is not mine. This is from a, a gentleman named Vashon Bench. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear. But basically he said that he, he is, his atheism is kind of like paint can beads. Uh, that are in a paint can that he he had the super religious he had like an episcopal dad preacher dad who was like snake uh, snakes and tongues and all that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he says like all the pain is out of the paint can like the religion he does not believe in it. he's solidly an atheist but those paint cans with beads are still in there and every once in a while you know in the middle of the night you're laying there and they'll shake around and oh you mean like yeah. in a spray can yeah yeah oh so yeah yeah that's that's a great little image yeah, that's the leftover part of that, and that's what wakes you up in the middle right, of the night. Taking all the nitrous yes. out of the exactly. <laughs> you okay. used all the huffing agents right. out of the spray paint can, exactly. and what's left is that. Yeah, I get that. And that is the bead of religion that sticks <laughs> that with sticks you. Sticks with you, but I've never had that. You never had never. the bead. Never had How it. How do you find spirituality now? Not through I Christianity, right? Don't. I don't know what that means. Spirituality, like, you know, your connection to, like, a higher being or, like, yeah. the things around you in a metaphysical way? No. Not at all? No, I have no idea what that Damn. means. Yeah, I've never felt that. Like, I was sent to church early, like, when my, uh, I had an uncle die, and I was at the church, and everybody started saying the Lord's Prayer, and um, my sister looked at me, and she, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know it. And I was, <laughs> me either. I was just kind of going, mm-hmm, 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 mm -hmm. Yeah, and my sister was, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And I'm like, no. I never felt necessary to. Are you a science girl, then? Are you all about science? Well, 
No, because I was raised in the South and girls are taught to be stupid. <laughs> so I, was, I got none of that. So to, mm. to, 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 to backtrack, when you were in church with all those people and they're all singing things at the same time, you didn't feel the feeling? Mm-mm. Like, I just think I was that, embarrassed. But if there's 400 people and they're all singing the same song at the same time, there is something there. It's like being at a concert or something where you have this right. communal feeling because everyone's sort of experiencing the same thing at the same time and there's this external like what is that and i think some people call it god but it could just be everybody singing the same note at the same time just, everyone I just mean, vibing it's the shared it's energy they're just vibing i was always um, embarrassed yeah i always remember standing back and being embarrassed and and like what curious like what are these people doing like yeah. th- if if i don't feel it what, what bullshit are they they're lying well yeah, yeah. And, and they might be pentecostals believe that you don't truly become a Christian until you receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to you from the book of Acts where when the the Holy Spirit came down after Jesus was resurrected and everyone spoke in tongues mm-hmm. and so they believe that if you don't speak in tongues you haven't fully accepted the Holy Spirit and therefore people speak in tongues a lot because that's how you prove that you're one with you know interesting th- so you have to do the and they're like oh they're speaking in tongues and then somebody like says oh i can i can translate this i speak the god language and then it becomes this sort of right but that's very culty but there's a reason behind it yeah and it's uh, and it comes from the book of acts and it's like Uh, really the part that they're not uh remembering is tongues that they don't know so they were speaking actual languages i mean Just were they in the story they did not know right in the story it was about um when jesus and rose so up and he said okay now you're gonna spread it all out everybody go spread the word to everyone and ev- the holy spirit entered them and they all spoke in tongues and they were other languages that they didn't know so like then you could send them off to the romans or you could send them off to italy or wherever i mean that's the same place the greeks whatever but, but real because, languages. But real languages. Yeah. But were they? Because is the Bible just purely allegorical, or is it a real story? Did it really? I mean, so that's when we get into funky things where hmm. some people believe it is a historical text that's a hundred percent true, and some people go, "No." Great fiction. <laughs> Great science fiction. Yeah. I mean, it really is like a very well written story. You know, right? I, there's there's no. a lot of there's no. a lot of characters and element the development there. It just there's a not, lot of. Issues. <laughs> well, have you read Have you read Million Little Pieces by James Fry? That no, fake drug addict guy. Yeah. You know, disc, it's fake, but hey, man, it's a great story. You know, I'm not gonna deny it. It's right. not real, but it's a pretty good story. Uh, <laughs> they call it um, uh, fictionalized memoir. Now they came yeah. up after that book had a big with Oprah, and he's like, she's lying. <laughs> I I can't find that clip anywhere. That's the dress my white whale on the internet is to mm. find Oprah bitching out James Fry for lying about <laughs> being an addict. <laughs> Had, well, the, the whole book, people got all up in arms about it, and so they kind of started a new genre called fictionalized memoir, hmm. so that you hmm. can get away with not lying. having it be yeah real. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you get away with lying. That's fine. Yeah. But you know, there are there are places in the Bible um, where, like, they built the altar for my God and your God and whichever God lights it on fire. Um, oh right, I remember that one. Hmm. Well. Once I got older and I started learning a little bit about science, I understood about instant fire and realized that that was all theatrics. Yeah, and they could have used lenses or... Um, Instant fire, um, as as you read it, he kept saying, put more water on it, put more water on it. 
and that is the final step in instant fire. Uh, so it's it magic. Uh, yeah, yes. see? Like we were saying yesterday, the first depictions of Jesus were with a wand. But this was, this was something that they used to prove dude. that God was real, and it was theatrics. Uh -huh. it, was, it was science. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's always science in well, the there end. Was, yeah. I always thought that way about the parting of the Red Sea in the Old Testament when the Jews were escaping the Pharaoh and Moses was leading them into the new land. That's enough. And he parts the Red Sea. Well, maybe it was low tide or maybe there was some <laughs> weird like maybe there earthquake was a or something. Getting ready yeah. to happen. A tsunami getting ready to happen. It all it got sucked out. Away. and it's a They what crossed and then it crashed in. That explains the whole story. It could still, have wouldn't there be more people writing about it though? Wouldn't there be more people like, dude, this fool just split an ocean in half but no one wrote anything down. Everyone was just like, that was crazy. Let's keep doing whatever we're doing. Well, maybe <laughs> they did, but I mean, they just don't have preservation, the preservation abilities that we have now. But we still have tablets from like the ancient but I feel like we would see at least one from like the plague or anything and corroborating we have tablets anything from well before uh, the Bible was written and well before the Jewish uh, came about describing the great flood and that was when the Jewish children were being taught in those public schools I wish I could I think it was Egypt well hmm. the the flood, they say, with the Noah and the flood, that, that the ark still lives on Mount Ararat. Like, that that they found the ark, and it's on Mount Ararat, and they've... They, Let us see it. Well, that's the thing, too, is that now with all of the uh, ice caps melting and everything, it, it should melt away, and we should be able to we see it. It's just yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Show me. Air Force pilots um, have reported seeing... Right, so I've seen, and I've seen, like, pictures they say they've done like 3d imaging or, or like some kind of thing but there it is atop oh, this mountain i think most of the torah is legend the you know and that is where right in the old testament, testament the torah the same on. well they're the well, yeah, it's the a old, we version yeah. of the torah well it depends on which also translations you go through so you start right. the new testament was in aramaic what was the old testament in what was being passed down and when you change every time you change linguistically from from you know from uh, language to language or even now when we have the the King James version that's in English but then you also have that the national the NIV version and you have the like LIV you have all these different versions and they change words around like crazy times if you think yeah. about um, the Greeks have like 19 words for love and then if you look at the word love and you could mean filial love, like brotherly love or like love love. So just even etymologically, it seems silly that we're still working with this text and believing yeah. it like, oh, it's been translated so many times, right? Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. so many times. Well, when you look at the base of, of many of the words like sin, sin, the original version of it was to fall short of a goal. Hmm. But what has Christianity made it sound like now? Right, know? right. Hmm. To fall short of a goal isn't so such a terrible thing because that happens all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, like huge every time on we shit on stage. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just lowered. That wasn't my goal. I've learned through <laughs> I've learned through times that uh, 
goals are like expectations, and it's better if you keep them low. <laughs> yeah. then, then it's like, oh, I succeeded. <laughs> my, my list in the morning looks like, it's like wake up, brush teeth. <laughs> I cross things out. I'm like, look, <laughs> I accomplished it. it. I woke up. <laughs> Yay, one thing crossed <laughs> off my list. <laughs> brush teeth. Okay. We I didn't spend it. too many spoons today. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice to wake up happy that you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I just, what are, what are the goals? I try to keep my goals like low because if I well, ever there have been days goals, you know? yeah. <laughs> this morning my cat shit on the couch that I was sleeping on while yeah. I was sleeping on oh really yeah uh, I your woke cat up. is mad at you no I don't know why I did I just woke up no trust over your cat is mad at you <laughs> why how long has it been anything? since you've seen this cat it's been about I guess three four months he always it acts like he doesn't remember me he actually doesn't remember me I picked him out of the shelter and he's still he's my dad's best friend he doesn't like mm. me well, he's BS. mad at you. He that is definitely yeah, mad at you. Yeah, he's mad at me for you. something. Yeah. You left. Yeah. yeah. And so now he's giving me the cold shot. He's found someone else. <laughs> he's found and, my and he's dad. And he's pooping. He be you. pooping. How old is he? <laughs> it might be a health problem, too. No, he's young. He's like three? He's like oh, four yeah. now. Yeah, he's regular. Yeah, that's a fuck you poop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Cat I woke up and I was like, did I do that? Trust, I know bullshit. I convinced my cousins that were growing up in the city to that they were great frisbees the dried ones oh dear lord oh. you're having them throw poop around <laughs> <laughs> that's that's comical they do would play classic. a frisbee with cow pies do you believe <laughs> do you believe cats have a soul aaron do you believe cats have a soul yeah i think cats have a soul i think consciousness is your soul that's what i think and that's why i think there's like the, the universal consciousness. we all have the same consciousness different like brains and stuff but like cats have the same consciousness we are one yeah so it's not the ability to like process one. it the same way so whales have consciousness yeah have you seen a whale's eye this morning i was telling you about this I, I when i talk about shit that i see on reddit no one else has ever seen it it's not interesting inherently i get it but on reddit this morning <laughs> i saw a, a fucking guy was like going up with this whale and just the whale's eye i've never seen a whale's eye it looks just like a human eye wow just, look, just looking around and shit mm, they're just they're, they're mammals just big yeah, yeah. i think about everything is part of the consciousness including plants even like flies sure. flies have consciousness yeah yeah but they just process it on such a low quote unquote lower level i just feel like it's much smaller for them i feel like humans have taken themselves out of the the natural flow of things though have it you know what them? i mean yeah yeah i've sure. criminalized the nat natural life I'm, I'm really starting to kind of come around to the idea that we might actually be in that that what do they call it the sixth extinction oh uh phase on the Sixth earth extinction there, there's a there's a theory that the earth has had people on it and we've gone extinct <gasps> or almost extinct almost six times no. oh i love this theory or i've never heard five this. times <laughs> and this is the sixth one well, coming oh i love that mm -hmm. i believe that we are the seventh um species of man the seventh species the seventh. okay I, I prescribe to that first to that dibs. belief. First. I say we're first. <laughs> but so so like there have, archaeological digs have proven that one. So, so we're like not the um, first humans. But like, so like the Neanderthals so. were a pre-incarnation of what we are. Right. Yeah. But they're completely different. We know that their bones and brains and stuff are completely different than but, us. But they are. We have all been various. I feel like I'm on an episode of Joe Rogan. <laughs> you do DMT? <laughs> we have, we, I believe we are the seven species of man. Yes. The, the seven, so, been, so you think there have been seven incarnations from like the first? Between Neanderthals and the ones right. before, and yes. Damn. Oh. And so like what, every thousand years we're kind of 
all new anyways. I mean, I guess no, that makes sense. Even a hundred years because I, I saw that. beds. I was I saw some historical beds from like the 1900s in a house that was like this is a house they lived in and they were tiny. People yeah. were tiny. We have better nutrition. People were like oh, yeah. short and t- their beds were like like a like a, a regular man was like my size, like five five. The, they were small beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, Napoleon How was is not that? short. That was and that yeah. was like nutrition in, at, at during childhood is so important. Yeah. Because when you are not able to sustain um, your health, you're not gonna grow. Yeah. Right. That is why my grandfather was four foot nine. Oh, because he was a, he, ha- he was a sick child. Oh mm. wow! Th- during the depression or something? Um, I know he served during Korea. Oh, oh. okay. You know. So well, that yeah, he was he probably a depression. Born, depression yeah, he was born baby. Born during yeah, the depression. Sure. Yeah, my mom was born in '36, so. And my, and, and my dad was just a few years older, and yeah, he served in Nor- Vietnam and, and Korea. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up vegan. My, I grew up eating fucking couscous. I was supposed to be 6'2". I'm 5'10". <laughs> I'm 5'10", dude. Quinoa fucking quinoa did it. Did I you grew up on a pig I'm farm. I'm not saying DNA doesn't play a factor. <laughs> it, yeah. But um, I'm saying that poor nutrition during childhood is very key Definitely. in development. And that's what's that's so sad. That's why I advocate so much for the, you know the food rescues because they yes. are the ones getting fresh produce. They're getting that. They're the only ones getting actual nutrition to the poor. And that's so important. Just these like pouches in Africa. These little vitamin pouches have all these things. Sorry, go on. I just no, no, no. Y'all are right. No, I mean you were talking about growing it like, but on the other side of it, there's like I grew up on a farm, uh, eating, um, you know. Uh, chicken, fresh chicken and fresh mm. eggs off the farm. And my mm. mom, we had uh, pigs and stuff that we Me slaughtered. Too. So we're oh, we're little potato people. Like we're all Irish, <laughs> and like we look like little potatoes. We're, and my brother used to describe the women in our family as stout, round, and close to the ground. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we're little <laughs> farm working, farm working women. That's what we really are. Where, where in the south are you from? I'm from Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that is that close to um? Close to Athens, by chance? I know Athens. Mm, no, that's it's where about from. it's about three hours north. Okay, yeah, three or four hours north. Yeah. My my buddy's my buddy's father uh, was a professor at the college in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Whatever that is. Uh, U G, right? Yeah. He, was a, he was a professor B-52s. of theoretical chemistry. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? What is theoretical <laughs> chemistry? I look at his books sometimes. He's like, I w- my friend Charlotte would be like, he wrote this book, and I'm like looking at it. Like, this <laughs> is like, this is this not makes English. No words. <laughs> These are English <laughs> words, <laughs> but it it doesn't make any sense at all. They're just it's numbers. Like yeah. You know, when you said know. that uh, you had asked if I was a science person, I should I should say that I, w- I didn't try to educate myself during my primary years. But, yes, I am. An, uh, like, I will go with the best science <laughs> of the moment. Did you just burn your yeah, eyelash I off? Blue fucking just <laughs> I just blew smoke weed, weed ash into my eye. Oh, my God. That's some farm effect right there. Yeah, You'll never get up. corona. That, that better get me so faded. <laughs> I will not. Crossfade the, yeah. the key right into I, your eye. I'm, I'm sorry, but you're, you're science person. You do science stuff now? or are you? Well, no, I'm just saying that, yeah, I'm, I try to go with the best science that's available to us as consumers right. that I can. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I read MSN. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not exactly creation. a researcher research scientist I'm not gonna say yeah no I didn't go for that sort of education so I believe in creation I don't know a lot of the science you believe mm-hmm. in like divine creation no no creation no, I, I believe that we, the earth has right. been here evolving for many millions of and billions of years oh, hell yeah retweet you know and that um 
Christianity is a great story. Well, see, now here's yeah, the thing great, about I think it's well written. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing about well, the great. Here's the thing about the great story and the way that it can work for creationists if they choose to think of it this way. God created the world in seven days, right? Uh, we wrote it down. But what is a God day? How long is a God day? A God day. God doesn't understand time. God doesn't know time. God, yeah. God's outside of time. So, uh, for us, the hubris of us to put a man-made construct on something that we can't possibly understand. Oh yeah. Days. Gender too on God. That's well, so sure, weird. I mean, exactly. Gender. But the fuck. So, if we say, oh well, sense. the earth. Maybe the world was created in seven days. Maybe seven God days. God's yeah. days could be five hundred billion years. Light years. Yeah, we have no life. idea what a it's God relative. day is because what is fucking God? But. That's the only – if creationists sold me that line, I'd be like, okay, fine, maybe. Okay. Because then I feel like you're sort of still buying into the science of right. the earth yeah. was not created in seven days. No, no. Like, but it some people was created over the course of – you know, I mean, I believe yeah. in the science of all that. I believe that – you know, I certainly do not believe that it – it was seven days. And I right. do not yeah. believe that Adam and Eve were the first no. human. You know. I think a lot of what became the Torah, which got bastardized into the Old Testament, um, that was legend, but Homer was more accurate. Whisper, whisper, you know? Yeah. I think some of it actually happened, but they just got, like, mythologized to the point. Yeah. Because that's what humans, yeah. humans are wired for story. Like mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Homer yeah. was more mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah, well, yeah. Also, we have to think about... The ol- no one knew how to read. Yeah. The only people that knew how to read were the priests. Comics. Doing a little set. Doing a little ten minute god set. But it was all it was a, it was auditorily passed down. Right. And yeah. the easiest way to remember things is through story because you have yeah. a story arc and it's Meaning. easier to remember because you're going from one place to another in your st- and because you were doing it, it was right. an auditory passing no one knew how to read. No yeah. one right. knew how to read. Yeah. Right. right. Not so women, it was not men, pa- nobody. Yeah. It was passed on just like Homer was taught because mm-hmm. Homer was illiterate, you know? Yeah. So but he was more accurate than those who passed down those stories because we know we've watched Uncle Kenny tell stories and it's a l- of what we were there to see, and we've seen th- how things got grandized. Yeah, right? sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, also, what? also right. on a so on a metaphysical on a metaphysical level, every time you revisit a memory, that memory changes because Memories you. Are real. Well, oh yeah. But, I mean, they're real, but they're so they're sieves. They're, they're so real, valuable. but they're constantly malleable. They're constantly changing, and they do change every time because wh- when we better. revisit a memory. We're revisiting it from a different point in our life. We have a different perspective on said memory. Therefore, the memory that we're visiting, although it's the same, is different. Right. So every time we remember anything, we're actually changing the memory. And then you have to consider, like, what we do as comics. We actually will move information around to make a point more interesting how to our audience. So sure. that, that fucks with your memories, too. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes, uh, you know, th- I, growing up with, you remember I told you, um, my mom was 36 when she had me, but yeah, I had yeah. four siblings uh, older than me, 18, 16, 14, and 12 when I was born. Yeah, built yeah. babysitters. Yeah, Whoa, that's older. Yeah, way Irish, older. Jeans uh, or what? Yeah, <laughs> very much Irish jeans, 66 percent. Um, yeah, and the other t- uh, other 33 percent is uh, Swedish and European, like uh, England, that mm. that area. So, um, but the, the, 
but my my brothers and sisters like I would hear my brother Johnny I would be hanging out with him and he would tell me a story about something that happened before I was born and then later I'd be hanging out with Deborah and Deborah would tell me the same story but it would be just a little different <laughs> yes. she was either the person who was in charge in the story or the hero or whatever and then I would hear my sister Sherry tell a story and sh it would be just slightly bent yeah. to her and yeah. I'm like huh so yeah it's really yeah I was really uh, aware of perspective that's of story a long time ago perspective is like the thing that takes longest to or at least for me to grasp in like literature and stuff like that was like that I mean to I mean you know understand that it's coming from this person but understand how that changes with different tellings oh it's yeah interesting well I'll forever well what the reason I'm so conscious of it is because uh, I did the whole 23 and me uh, thing to find out what my heritage was because there was a story of Native Americans in our family. Ah, uh, that all right, Elizabeth Warren. You right? get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I have always heard these stories, right? And there's the story of this Native American dude that came into Georgia and fell in love with, like, a great, 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 great grandmother, asked for a hand in marriage. Dad said no, stole her away, came back later, said no, stole her away, came back later. Too bad, married her anyway. All right. So... Hmm. My, everybody in my family is see-through. We are born with blonde or red hair, blue eyes or green eyes, and we're see-through. There is so no. So where is where is <laughs> Uncle Redfeather? <laughs> right? Where so is where Grandpa? Is big Grandpa Redfeather. Redfeather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where is he? Moved to see yeah. Is he? Like I don't know. Several greats. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, c I couldn't tell you what the truth is. Mm. So and is there any Native American blood in your twenty-three? Zero. Zero is a lie. Zero. My mother is a liar. Your parents are liars. Yeah. My mother has always that that said that. My mother has always said that there was Cherokee in our family, mm. and I, I would guarantee you there's none mm. well you got to do that 23 and me see if your mom will now see there is it's more stories now here it's there is the government already has it nobody else needs it yeah, there fair, is a fair, scientific fair. caveat yeah. to my 23 and me though it's not the complete story because I only have the maternal side. I don't carry my dad's mm. genes. So, so I need still there's still a chance. And I cannot get my brother or any of his kids to take the test. Why not? I don't think they want to know the truth. Oh. They'd rather keep the story. I'd rather keep they they'd rather keep the truth. They'd rather keep the story. <laughs> you know what? The truth. I have a I have a friend here in San Francisco whose mother is Native American and she she came up not the mother but my friend was saying that maybe it's one of those things where you can kind of offset some guilt about the atrocities that occurred oh. that if you're part sure. of that group. Sure, sure. Right. You know. Right. So no, it's uh, hey, I get it, I get that. Yeah. So yeah. I got a, a lot of white guilt. I'm a quarter Asian. Yeah. I'm fully one quarter. I think that's. I always thought that was enough to be like, I'm mixed. But because I present so like white, that oh, it doesn't you really. Like, I can't. You I should know. Very white. But my cousin, who's also a quarter Asian, she looks fully Filipino. She doesn't look like Asian. It's still like because she's you know she gets she's more uh, tan skin than I. Well, she's you hazel know, eyes. There I, is Spanish in Filipino people. It's true. We're not Spanish, though. No. So, Scottish. so you're. I thought you were part Chinese. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, okay. We're Scottish and, and Chinese. So I'm sorry. I, I should heard let Filipino. You I assume that she was looks Filipino. Okay. Because she's a quarter Asian. That's what I. Okay. Would, yeah. But you're See, a quarter Asian. But you have the you have the pretty eyes. So I should tell you that I, my boyfriend was giving me a ride here in the morning, and he was saying, he was saying, which one of those? He said there was one comic because I always say that he's oh they're too good looking to be a comic, and he brought you up. He's like the one he's <laughs> so good looking. Why is he not well, a model? You. He was thank like, you. I, I was like I know he's got these, these cute little 
dimples and the widespread oh. eyes. He was like, he's got these high cheekbones. I'm like, I know, making right? Me blush. He looks <laughs> like but his nickname should oh, be God. Trip. But he <laughs> was <laughs> Trip. Well, that but is a so nickname for people who are the third. Third. Oh, yeah, triple, yeah. I got quadroon. But you're, you're <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> was like, that's kinda, even worse. Yeah, it is worse. I, I can't repeat it. Either. You're so but tall and striking because of just your your eyes are wide set, you. your, your facial structure and your bones and stuff. And he was like, why is he not modeling? And I was like, I don't know. He's in Chicago. Maybe he should like get some Thank pictures you. done or something. I, I did actually try to model for a couple seconds, and that shit sucks. Oh, yeah, my really? God. It really it's sucks. Hard. Is it soul-sucking? It, it makes you feel so, like... What is it? Like, look, I like... I, I, I'm very glad that people think that I'm good looking and it makes me feel good thank you you know uh, also I but I don't like that being I don't even like leaning into it too much I don't like it being a part of my identity so much and the in the people that I worked with as model I mean I like it no I'll tell you, I like it but I still like it doesn't form as forms a, how other people see me I can't see myself as a know? reformed hot girl I'm offended <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just didn't want to and, and people that are and, and all the models that I worked with because I did it like casually for like two a couple of weeks maybe like a month casual were, model that's the name of your band <laughs> casual casual model that is yeah yeah I like that it's like ska <laughs> they they all but they all identify like as hot people as models and like as smoldery people when I smolder for a photo like I I can't look at a photo of myself and I'm like <laughs> It's just so like it's oh, awful. It's cringy. Yeah. It's it cringy. Cringe. And same for all these like music. I want to be a comedian too because musicians do the same thing where they have to be like smoldery and like and sad and brooding. Yeah, and it's just I'm trying to be like hot emo. or whatever. And I just don't like that as like an identity thing well, personally. Sure. It really wasn't part you. of my thank identity you. for. Yeah, <laughs> I really didn't understand why people just gave me things. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> must be nice. There is a, yeah, there is a privilege. <laughs> That's, that might be part of it, just trying to be like, I'm not that privileged, but there is a privilege to being attractive. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I and I worked it, and I didn't realize how much I worked it until I quit working it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so does anybody subscribe to anything now as a specific religion? You're a little Buddhist, right? Not really, no. Not really. No, no, I could. I don't. I don't feel like I can claim that. I don't meditate or anything. I just like the ideas. Oh, okay. I believe like, so you're ideally. a philosopher. You're a modern day philosopher. Oh, and I, yeah, I guess I, I like to read uh, books and see what I can gain from living on that. Sure. But not necessarily like a set thing of beliefs. Uh, three favorite authors. Top three. Top three favorite authors. You make me sound like pretentious on the radio. Yeah, hell yeah. This, this is NPR for a yeah. second. I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah, those I'm gloves are too gross. pretentious for this poem. Uh, Annie Proulx. Amazing. She wrote The Shipping News. She also wrote Brokeback Mountain. Oh, all She's right. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, Albert Camus, he's amazing. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and it's just three, right? It's just three. Yeah, L'Etranger, yeah. La Plage. Um, I would say the last one would be Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh! So, yeah. Jean-Paul Sartre. So here's a, deep cut. Here's a deep cut on Jean-Paul Sartre, and I'm wondering if you've read it. He wrote a play in the 40s called The Respectful Prostitute. Do you know about mm, this? No, I, I do not. Okay, this is a play he wrote, and he wrote it about racial relationships in the United States, and mm. it was based off a real story about a black guy on a train getting blamed oh, for raping yeah. a white woman, but she he never did that, and it was because... The white guys on the train actually shot his friend, and then they were related to a senator. So anyways, it's the story about how they get this prostitute who was on the train, who saw the whole thing. They say the black guy raped her, and how they twisted around with money, and all these things happen, and she meets him, and it's this amazing play. And I wanted to redo it here at Mutiny Radio as for, like, 
Black History Month and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I couldn't get any comedians and actors because they're like, there's too much N word and this is just too real Ooh. right now. And I'm like, this is written by Jean Paul Sartre in the forties. You can't run away from it. And it, it's a it's a crazy crazy play. People and are it's trying amazing. to scrub yeah. the past. Yeah, you know? they're mm-hmm. like, oh, look, they have taken Laura Ingalls Wilder's. Oh, uh, I love Laura Ingalls Wilder. Name off of the award oh. that was created in her honor. Yeah. Because of the statement, no, uh, the only Indian good Indian is a dead Indian. But that was what was taught to her at that time. Right, and there's yeah, some blackface in a Little Town. In Little Town on the Prairie, at the end, there's a minstrel show that they're in, and there's blackface and pa, and everyone's mm. in blackface, and there's a picture of it, and yeah. they're all jigging around, and they have blackface. Yeah. It's pretty. It's it's, it's brutal. It, but it, she wrote. But it's her experiences it's, it's that she's writing about from yeah. 1846, 1876. Yeah. You know, all that kind of timey. The people for what they were taught. There's well, there we have to acknowledge the past, acknowledge yeah. that yeah. it's mm-hmm. fucked up. The yeah. context of it, without Did sitting in judgment, because we have to remember that we've come a long way. Well, yeah. I love Laura Ingalls Wilder, and there's a cookbook that I have, which is all the anything that's in Laura Ingalls Wilder's books, and they put it in the cookbook and how you make it. And wow, it is hard to make cheese. <laughs> uh, but it, I love this book. It's like all old timey shit and like making bread from like it's. Anyways, I'm obsessed with Laura Ingalls <laughs> Wilder. I always have been. I, I would love to be a homesteader. I totally idealize yeah. that, that time in America when you really were working. It was like subsistence farming was the goal, and now we're like so far removed from that mentality of yeah. hard work. And I am yeah. such a pampered princess. Like the moment shit hits the fan, I'm going <laughs> to have to take the cyanide pills. I really am. Yeah. I, drink the Kool-Aid. I can't survive. Oh, I can't wait till this shit goes down. I need oh. a C and yeah. I'm so white. <laughs> it's I'm amazed how many people are yeah. um, stockpiling bullets, but they're not learning how to load. <laughs> 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 I'm and not, and, I'm and they're 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 taking care of the guns part, but they're not thinking about that fact that they're gonna want to hunt a lot more quietly, oh. you know. And That's so true. anytime somebody wants to speak prepper with me, I, I'm a country kid. Let's talk. Let me tell you all the things you're fucking up. Oh, I'm yeah, not gonna. They are gonna survive. <laughs> <laughs> Only the southern United States is gonna be around. I don't know if I'm gonna survive or not. I don't know if I plan on on tucking away somewhere. We'll decide based on what happens. I'm, yeah. I have my whole apocalypse I mean plan in play, <laughs> and you're welcome to join me. Mm. There's a house. It's a beautiful house, and it was built in the late 1800s. It survived the first earthquake and the second, really, if you think about it. It survived the, the earthquake of 89 as well, mm. and it is like a four-story, uh, beautiful Victorian home, and it has a basement and a backyard and a rooftop. And it's filled right now, and it's all refurbished and gorgeous with this flocked wallpaper and all these inlays and just this gorgeous banister. It's just amazing, like mansion. Jesus. But what's inside of it is lawyers. Oh yeah, lawyers, <laughs> motherfuckers from from Antioch or Walnut Creek, Danville. They ain't coming in in the apocalypse. That is my house now. That is my <laughs> you know house. Lawyers ain't coming back. Gonna put it on the rooftop deck. I'm gonna have a pigeon coop. I'm gonna be friends with pigeons. I'm gonna be like feeding them and petting them and then taking them off in the corner and murdering them and 
eating them. Eating them. What in the fuck, Pam? I'm gonna have chickens in the back. I need some sniper rifles on the roof. Digging pits out of apples, going, I gotta make some more as fucking arsenic. I get the hell out of here. There are some scenarios where the only possible answer that makes sense is crack open a beer and see the show. Right. We don't know how it's all gonna end. There are so many possibilities and therefore there are so many possibilities on what I'm gonna do about it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you're welcome to join me. It's it's on Eddie and and Van Ness. Uh, just over the, like the market line, uh, it's up on the, it's up on a hill, so it's great for sniper rifleists to be able to keep people away. I'm gonna take a backyard. Or train me. There's there's a there's a there's a basement, so if we have to work with any of our own electrical, we've got a rooftop, so we can do solar. Are there uh, neighbors? Well, yeah, but mm. it's fine. It's fine. It's a big big old building, and I I think that we'll just turn it into a big like poly sex thing because everyone's gonna die anyway, so we <laughs> might as well just fuck our way out, right? <laughs> Like, <laughs> gotta start. Gonna human race starts here. We're going to stockpile all the DMT and all the Molly. <laughs> and we're just going to be like, start a podcast. Start a podcast. 24 hour podcast. Get Joe Rogan in there. Get Joe Rogan in <laughs> We entertain for like 13 hours. I later. know. I can sit and listen to him for fucking months. A lot of the, co- the uh, Colorado mountains is being taken up by rich people building their. Their fortresses. Their bunkers. Yeah. You know? and New Zealand. The, they are preparing for when the poor rise up. Ah, but We're coming for you. Here is what they're not thinking about. Um, the housekeeper, the groundskeeper, they're on our side. Yeah. They have the gate codes. Like <laughs> they know the weaknesses to gates. your security mm-hmm. system. I don't know. We're getting in. <laughs> have well, you seen Parasite, though? They, <laughs> the poor fight against, we fight against each other. I haven't seen a movie in a long time. I am Parasite so, is about that. I, I am so driven the at comedy right now is that about any time I take a night that. off from performing, I'm going and watching other people. I'm supporting you. Well, oh, that's, that's you know, And I'm learning supporting from the, yeah. the people who are better than me. That way I can get where they are. And yeah, I, there you, you go. Know. I'm, I'm the exact... I'm the opposite, I think, because I can't even watch a movie. I just have to smoke weed and go on Reddit and just turn my brain <laughs> off entirely. I feel bad. You're 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 Reddit you're Reddit obsessed. I'm That's just fine. I just have to turn off my brain after a day because I I know some comics like like as far as like I was supporting my friends I always support my friends when I get invited to shows but like even watching comedy when you get home you know I feel like some comics they get home they're like oh I'd love to watch relax and watch a stand-up special and some comics can't be around it at all you know to kind of relax and get away from things. Yeah, I definitely, when I unplug, I watch vapid, stupid things and yeah. usually fall asleep pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. I'm addic- I find I'm I spend about six hours a day on marketing various um, things that I'm up to. Yeah, and but then I, I, mean, I hit the shows at, or the mics that night. But it's when you get home. So, for example, so like. I last have no time. Yeah, but last yeah. night I got home at 11 and I was I couldn't fall asleep yet. Yeah. And so I've been watching the Johnny Depp Sweeney Todd mm. like in little snippets I was I was yeah. in Sweeney Todd years ago so I and I I love that musical and so I'm just watching but I have to have at least 20 minutes where I just zone no out brain. before yeah. I try to lay down and zone out because right. if I don't give myself that unplug time then I'm just gonna lay in bed and be circularly thinking about every weird stupid that's shitty thing I did yeah. that's yeah. what Tigger's yeah. for oh. turn that brain yeah. off I have that Aww. He is yeah. a therapy dog, trust me. Yeah. He makes sure. If I get too focused, he comes and gets me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. 
Yeah. yeah. I still, oh, no. I need, We're I need, playing tug now. I need like need 20 minutes down. before I yeah. unplug for the yeah. night. Or otherwise, I just, I lay there anyways. I'm addicted to TikTok. That's fine. I just brain off. Yeah. Strolls, oh, my phone. Oh, they tried yesterday. to teach us the TikTok dance the, yesterday. The say so one. Uh, my phone doesn't go in the bedroom unless I'm using it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it. And then you get a, uh, the and a. I want to do wow. Renegade today. Too. Hey, I'm a 47-year-old woman pulling this weird shit. <laughs> like it's a weird language. I'm. I'm. I watched two kids on the on the train today talk to each other in this like dancing like and grunts and laughs and then just, just cutting their eyes and say, yeah and it's weird a whole conversation happened and i were you high enough to understand no sometimes <laughs> this one time i took too much <laughs> i took too much cbd tincture to try to like see what the to try to see what the, the <laughs> parameters right. and the limits of cbd were uh -huh. so i took about like 150 milligrams of cbd tincture to no, the dome did it, did, does it do anything oh even? fuck yeah really? did it. my point is that i was i don't speak spanish and i was on the bus and there were two <laughs> people there were two people fighting in spanish and i understood everything <laughs> like there were little thought bubbles above their head with words <laughs> saying things that i understood spanish i was so high i understood spanish then i was hanging out with a three-year-old and i was like fuck i might be too high to hang out with this three-year-old but i took him to a house where there was a cat and the cat's friend had just died and the cat started talking to us <laughs> meow 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 the cat is meowing and i'm speaking cat at this point and the child is saying what is the kitty saying and i'm like the kitty is very sad about his friend dying and he's telling us the cat is talking to the child, and I'm the interpreter, and I attribute this 100% oh to 150 <laughs> milligrams of CBD. That's and they say, amazing. oh, CBDs can't get you high. Motherfucker, you have not just done haven't it. had enough. You have not done enough. You will understand. It'll, it'll pull the veil off the whole world. Like, you're like, <laughs> your ah. Ex well, exactly, because how long did so that last? Present. Maybe I three like hours. my illusion. Okay. Three, three hours. You're so present. And that's the thing that happens with CBD. Like, you're so, the past doesn't, and that's why it works for PTSD. It the past so doesn't matter. The future doesn't matter. It's all about the now. And then when you're in the now so hard, you understand things about the now that you never saw before. Like cats talking. To small children, I was the small out. child with with all the animal friends. I talk about that uh, more and more in my set, and um, I have no problem believing you and that cat had a conversation because oh, yeah. I had conversations with all my animals. Oh, I talk to my cats all the time. I, I can absolutely speak cat, even as much as I hated that freaking goat. <laughs> Goats are great. I love goats. I love Not goats. when they're named Billy. Well, I love to eat goats. Because they're so unoriginal. I love, I, goat is probably my, my favorite meat. My name is meat. Billy Joe. No, Billy Goats. I know. Oh. The okay. goat's name was Billy. Like a Billy Goat? Mm-hmm. Like a Billy Goat. So to bring goats <laughs> back to religion, you don't why are goats so demonized and we call them satanic? I don't know. What is it about hooved animals that uh, are, you know, demonized a lot? Like pigs and, and that sort of thing, like. Right. Yeah, I, d I don't know. I really don't know. I've, I've never understood that at all. I mean, I understand how, like, the goat image with the Billy goat symbol works out with the five-pointed right, right, right. star. Right, right, five-pointed star looks like a goat, sure. I get that, but, I mean, I can see that about as well as I can see Orion's belt in the sky, but... Do we demonize the goat because they have, because they have rectangular pupils and they look weird? Uh, that's a possibility. I don't know. 
What are these two going on about? What is something is happening? I understand the Billy Goat thing because I'm really confused. (laughs) I explained to him that I hate being called Billy because that was the name of Mom's goat. Oh, that's why you're Billy Joe. Yes. Right. Oh, okay. And I don't, I don't think he's getting it. People confused me for the goat in my parents' stories. Oh wow! I hate that that goat. Oh, that's funny. Okay. You were the goat of all the stories. Ha ha! But greatest of all time. I got I blamed for eating thing. everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Makes people sense. just did not understand. They're so, like, <laughs> and and this is something people don't understand. And this has goes back to science: is that if we could just feed goats weed and then steal their breast milk, we could make we could put THC into goat cheese. And I don't know why we're not doing this yet, Davis. <laughs> you see, Davis. You dummies, why can't you get on this? I want it. We need to cheese. Does it? You can put THC into cheese really easily. Yeah, but you can also do it through the, you could use through the, the, through the animal. So if oh. you took all of your trash weed, if you took all of your stems and all of your bullshit and you fed it to sheeps or sheep, I'm sorry, sheep or goat, goats, a herd, whatever. Shepherds. Um, with you, they lactate and you milk them, all of the cannabinoids come out in their in their excretions that would make then, some amazing manchego right yeah, exactly. that really would. <laughs> I just don't understand. this is one of like my, my million dollar ideas and i'm like why is i'm not the smartest person alive somebody's got or has to have already thought of this and because it, it there's oh, been somebody? studies about breast milk and thc and why it goes it, it leaches through and you can't get rid of it because it's fat soluble and it, it's 22 days in your system so you shouldn't like smoke pot and breastfeed a child yeah. because you're totally giving your child cannabinoids yeah and they can retard certain things about their growth mm. and but we can take if we know that that works then the transitive property is that it works with animals so why aren't mm. we feeding all of our ruminant animals motherfucking weed True. That's a good idea. That's the that's the that's the long game right, for edibles. There you go. Yeah. yeah. High quality. Oh, go like with weed. oh my god, ice cream. Yes, oh. we need yes, instead of cream. having to add the weed to a fat and then add that to your ice cream, you could just go straight from the source. And it's oh, no. the oh. weed goat. The weed goat. Yeah. The, will the goat be hella high all the time? I I don't know. Goats, because you're they are always it. looking for the highest point. Ah. I mean, we figured out that we can feed. <laughs> we figured out that we can feed coffee to goats, and it makes it a decaf. Like it's processes through the goats, they poop out the beans, and the beans are decaf. Because you that. get the goats high. Because you give all the goats your precious mm. caffeine, losers. Yeah, I know, right? I wonder. <laughs> All right, uh, this has been the first half of Subcolby Tim. We did it. Uh, <laughs> I was joined by Billy Joe Gillespie, April Gallaty, and whoop Aaron whoop. Atkins. We're coming Ooh. back in the second hour with Lee Cox. We're going to find out what he believes in. And stay tuned with us. We have 12 hours every day of comedy programming for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. Please join us tonight at El Rio. Doors at 8.30. Show is at 9. It's being hosted by the amazing Polly Pop-Tart. And it's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be great. Lee Cox is actually on that show as well. So, hey, stay tuned. Oh, and so is Aaron Atkins. Hello. Hello. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stay tuned, and we'll be back with more stuff. your boy Sifo here here to let you know that the fifth annual mutiny radio comedy festival is march 1st through 7th 
2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material. I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising the Cadillac on the freeway. I am a tiny little girl. Can I see? Glory Stone. Voice is absolutely right. I am Henry, the youngest, an adolescent. And I will cut the Henry. Henry. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Let's watch full-length movies on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. A 
Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. We're here at Mutiny Radio for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 special second edition of Some Call Me Tomb. I I timed it out again wrong. Here we go. Tomb. There we go. Some Call Me Tim. I am joined by Lee Cox out of Portland, Oregon. Correct. Yes. And uh, April Gallaty's back. Uh, on, the, on the beam, like, hey. Uh, so, uh, with Some Call Me Tim, I usually have people look first deeply into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. And I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I see value in the Christ myth. Mm, this is a good answer. You see value in the Christ myth because it... Um, I just think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good metaphor. The idea of um, death re- leading to rebirth, leading to uh, redemption. Yeah. Uh, and in, in uh, but not just death like real death, but in little deaths in our lives, like yeah. learning about how to accept loss and yeah. then move on kind of well, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of think any amount of, growth is kind of a death right if you're if you're learning to do something new the past version of you is now dead like the if you're if you learn to forgive yourself or something like that the the version of yourself that wasn't able to do that is now dead you're a new person right because your outlook determines who you are yeah and therefore if you change your outlook you've changed who you are yeah, the old version of you is dead. I think we kind of yeah. remake ourselves every day. Ooh. And so the idea of like rebirth and redemption through rebirth, through death and things like that, I, I think it, I think it's a good myth. Well, what do we need redemption from? Our pasts often. I mean, hopefully we're growing as people and becoming, you know, better people to the world. And so I, I think that there is some. There is some need for redemption there, and I, I, I also just think that guilt is a very common thing as a human being. Like the more that you learn about yourself, just like even going from childhood into like a teenager and learning about like the birth process, like that idea of original sin makes sense to me because like just putting our mothers through what we put them through is like I think we have some redeeming to do over that sure what's the worst thing you ever did to your mom is when you when you were a kid 
Oh boy, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to put that on the radio. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Yeah, I was like, no way. I slapped my mom once when I was 17. I regret wow. that. Ooh. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Over something stupid too. I think it was over like TV or something really dumb. Yeah. Like something really mundane. I mean, it's a tough time. I, I work with uh, teens. I work with teens, and like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a tense emotional like dramatic time and it is that it is those little things that come to represent like all the feelings you've got inside for yourself and you put that out onto other people and it's like yeah it could be some minor little thing about tv but it's like in that moment it was everything in the moment it was yeah sure yeah <laughs> redemption uh are people inherently good or inherently bad um I don't think I have a good answer for that. I, I, you know, people are just kind of people. Um, but babies will lie to you. Yeah. Like small children. They'll yeah. do something and they'll lie to you. Does that mean that they're... Well, I mean, they're interested in self-preservation. Ah. So is that good or is it bad? Like, I mean, cancer is also interested in self-preservation. <laughs> like, the, it's just part of uh, the nature of something that's alive. Typically, it wants to keep on living or keep on keeping on you know sure so you don't believe in like there's no religion that makes you a good person you no. just are a good person because um i mean i don't i don't i i don't know if there's like necessarily a step-by-step -step guide to being a good person <laughs> it's not the bible <laughs> no, ten commandments not the, probably not those i mean that's not a terrible place to start not oh, killing people and things like that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, though I'm not really, I told you how not religious I am. I mean, those really were the first rules I ever got as a child. It's somebody laying it out like, hey, lying's bad. Lying to your parents is bad. And, you know, killing is bad and stealing is bad, you know, and it's just a kind of a nice way to lay it out. So it's not a bad place to start, but. Yeah, I mean, children, the way that children learn and learn rules, it's. I think more ethical with children to do kind of carrot stick learning as opposed to with adults because as I mean I think that's a big reason why people who were born into religious circumstances come to like really hate the religion is mm -hmm. because they feel lied to a lot of the time but the thing is like you, it's, it's very helpful to lie to children like when you're trying to get good <laughs> behavior out of them or just pro-social behavior it's just helpful to be like hey do this and good things will happen for you and then you get older and you're like wait i'm doing good things and good things aren't happening for me like i think that's a natural process of getting older and i wish that religions did a better job of facilitating that transition from childhood into adulthood where you begin to question things were you raised religiously or were you how was that how was these kind of rules and laws brought into your life of morality was right. there an external one as a child um no i was raised in a pretty atheist household oh. um specifically pretty anti-christian household um but i wasn't like i wasn't really given any particular like set of rules to follow or anything like that i just kind of i i don't think morality stems from religion i think religion can be a good way of like culturally binding a people but i don't i don't think it's necessarily like a good way to learn morality oh. I, I think you can get that on your own pretty easily pretty it's pretty straightforward just be like hey you did a thing that hurt somebody else like that's be aware of that and like that's well, not and necessarily that, a good thing and that there's the consequences when you hurt someone else if there's consequences and they let you know you don't want to do that again because you 
have an actual consequence for that sort of action. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a as a child, that can be kind of a tricky situation because maybe you don't exactly care that you hurt somebody else, mm. um, and oh. sometimes that empathy comes a little later. Yeah, like if uh. ever. I mean, there's some people who just don't have a ton of empathy in that in that regard, and that's like unfortunate, and that's. I think where it does become valuable for a religion to be like, yeah, you're going to hell if you hurt people. And then people <laughs> who wouldn't otherwise care, they have that threat over their heads. And so I, I see a value there just to keep people in line. Religion's a great people. way to keep dumb people in line. Ideally. I mean, but <laughs> ideally, like if you look at dumb <laughs> religious people, they're still not super in line with what the Bible is telling them or whatever holy book is telling them most of the time. But, you, you know, you cross your fingers and you hope. So if there's nothing, like what, what hope do you have? What keeps you going? Like what's your belief or is there one? Do you just, why, why be? Why be? Um, I mean, I do have spiritual beliefs at this point in my life. Um, not beliefs, spiritual feelings, I think is more accurate than saying spiritual beliefs, if that makes sense. Sure. Do you, do you think there's an afterlife? Hmm. Not as, not as such, not as we would like experience it, like passing through a pearly gate and looking around and sure. there's clouds and things like that. Not really. Just so when we die, we're in the ground. That's it. Consciousness disappears. Everything else rots. Yeah. Well, we're I mean, it, it's, I, I take on the metaphor of like the wave, like what happens to the wave once it crashes, it just kind of goes back into the ocean. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a nice metaphor. Yeah. So you're like part of the froth and you go back into the big primordial yeah. swirl. I'm part of the froth. <laughs> uh, so you, you don't believe in an afterlife? Not so much. I mean, uh, well, I guess what matters for me is I, it doesn't, it, I don't care. It, uh, it doesn't, uh. if there is one or there isn't one, it's not going to do me much good to be placing bets. So top three on. things you care about. Top three things I care yeah, about? Yeah, sure. You said, because I don't care about that. So uh, if you don't care about... What happens after? What are the three things, that, top three things you care about uh, now that make you go, yeah, here's something I'm uh, alive for? Um, boy, it's hard to put into words, I guess, now that you've put it this way. Uh, <laughs> top three things I care about. I'll, I'll say comedy just because it, it would be weird not to maybe. <laughs> um, Fair. Growth. It's like personal growth. Sure. That's a good one. And then uh, there's these uh, there's these crows that I feed around my house. So cool! I like them. Yeah. Rad. April. Top three things. Uh, that that you care about. Oh. It's a hard question. <sighs> I honestly am a very curmudgeon-y, um negative person <laughs> but you've got it there's stuff you care about like i care about damon <laughs> you yeah so your husband yeah i Great. care about my husband one cool that's a cool thing the the cat and the ferrets yes, there you go. i'm that's so glad you said the cat yes of course i mean yes. honestly i like i really am one of those people who just has no like there's something about that familial bond where people are like, my, my, my sisters and my brothers and my cousins and all that. I just don't get that. I, I've never have. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I'm yeah. going to put cats and ferrets in one bundle. And yeah. you have to choose one more thing you care about. Comedy. Oh, great. Yeah. That's right. it. Yeah. All right. Because right. it's weird not to, right? Because yeah. it's weird not to. Billy Joe. 
Top three kids, things you care. Your kids. Good. Tigger and comedy. Oh, great. Look, family, animals, comedy. What are your What are yours, Pam? I would. I'd have to definitely put my cats up there. <laughs> uh, and um, I. I mean, I'll be super honest. I care too much about uh, what other people think about me. Mm. <laughs> Don't <laughs> that's, we all? That's definitely up in the top three. <laughs> that I'm like, I care. I spend way too much brain space on that. Mm. And um, I know I, I know I should say my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> I know I should say, I know I should say comedy, but I will go. I, I and I, oh yeah, I got, I got cats up there. That's so funny. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I have to say Mutiny Radio. That's the that's okay. probably the top three. That's a good one. Yeah. Which encompasses comedy. I just had to make a bigger basket. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because I'm making a bigger basket, I'll say cats and boyfriend together as one because <laughs> they're all in the same household. Right, that family. Fa- yeah, so Because, I mean, family. I left my granddaughter out, but I yeah, my right. heart doesn't. Sure, right. exactly. So w- why do you think that we all chose animals to some degree? What is? What do you think that is? Uh, because animals have a capacity for empathy that people don't like, mm. and also that they're innocent and blameless. Mm-hmm. Like you can never, like, I, I don't think you can accuse a cat of being racist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess when when compared against like the average person, but I mean, a yeah. cat will eat you when you die. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know. Self-preservation. I expect it to. <laughs> Yeah, and we're cool with that. Would we, would we be Somebody cool? Somebody like needs to clean up the mess. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think a cat eating you when you're dead makes more mess probably than you Maybe. just rotting. I really hope somebody figures out I'm Depends dead before my cat starts eating me. Honestly, yeah. so she doesn't have to. Yeah. That's I. That's also. <laughs> yeah. She probably wants to. She's she probably waiting. she's just sitting around. Yeah. She nibbles me every once in a while. She's checking. <laughs> just making still? sure. Where's my food? Uh, but it's interesting that we all, well, that the three of us mentioned family. You didn't mention family. I don't have, uh, I don't have much family. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not super close with them. Oh, all right. I'm not, I'm not super close with my immediate family. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, eh, you know. Yeah, it's actually um, an interesting thing that I'm kind of experiencing right now because growing up, I wasn't super close with my immediate family on like my mom's side, and then recently my father died, and I'm getting like a ton of. Uh, like Facebook message mm. requests and friend requests from a bunch of people on my father's side, <laughs> and it's actually like a pretty large extended family over there comparatively, and they're all like being supportive of me and like reaching out and seeing if I need anything, and it's very strange. It is kind of uh, challenging my definition of self, like my own personal narrative, because I'm used to just not having family and Support. so now i have yeah so now i have all these people and it's a little bit of like what what do i uh, what do i do with you like i don't know how to i have a lot of people. love for the, for the family members that i am not in regular contact with and i would drop what i'm doing to be there for them because mm. i have that love of family but yeah we're not super close mm. i would so i wouldn't drop I anything I for anyone <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you gonna come to one of my shows? That's what I do with your extended family. I'd be like, come see me, <laughs> come yeah, see me right. perform, yeah. to watch my YouTube video, give me some hits. Right. You want to be supportive? Right. Put on they your Facebook have. that I'm funny. <laughs> well, that's good. Then. That's good if you have that yeah, kind of like. Um, so, but if I if I had people reach out to me, that'd be the first thing that I would ask them to do. I'd be like, oh, you want to support like, me? Like give money to Mutiny Radio. Yeah, like, <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. Yeah. To your YouTube channel, and then all of your funny funny things yeah but it kind of gets it's it's i i process a lot of things through or i have been lately through that 
Craig Smith thing that I was talking about. Yeah. And so I have this past idea of myself, of somebody who just doesn't really have a family. And now I'm like in a space where I kind of do and I'm having to integrate those two people. Wow. Yeah. D uh, so do you read Joseph Campbell? Do you I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. rad. Big into him. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've we've studied him in the hero, the myth stuff yeah. for many years. Archetypical. Yeah. Characters. The I get really myth. angry with the crone. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, why we gotta call her a crone or a <laughs> witch? <laughs> like, why can't it be like a little bit more woman positive? Yeah. I want to be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't be. I can be the hero. Of course, we own. all are. Crone is a hero. In someone's what is the old man called? What is the old man? Which one? Like the the like in the same like if there's this like Dumble Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like if there's this series of things like what we are throughout our lives, what are old men called? If we're called crones. Well, within I mean, this isn't it's it's not a personal Elders. thing necessarily, but I I think it's a mentor is typically I think it's oh, the mentor okay. role. You mm. you might know more about that than I do. Because I, I never got too big into that aspect of the hero's journey. Well, it's all through Star Wars. Like, so I watched, uh, if you look at, it's like, and then it's so funny because he goes into the cave. Even mm -hmm. all that kind of yeah. stuff with Yoda and yeah, then comes and out, meets his father, but it's really him. Right. And then, I mean, that whole, that whole Yoda in the cave uh, in um, Empire Strikes Back mm. is all yeah, like a hundred percent. Joseph yeah, Campbell. and they're they're open about that. Like they have interviews with George Lucas and Joseph Campbell and stuff. And it's oh. they're they're it's like yeah, th it is like it is. Once I I wasn't into Star Wars until I read Joseph Campbell, and like that's the aspect of Star Wars that I enjoy. Everything else is kind of yeah, like cool lasers. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> space opera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cowboys in space. Um, how long have you been? studying the is it just recently that you've come up with that you've been looking at it since your father's death or this has been a thing for you for a while that it's you've studied um it's been i i it took me probably like three years to get all the way through um hero with a thousand faces mm -hmm. and i i because i read it very slowly and i took a lot of it to heart um to heart and so that's been like that's been a big part of it and then the other big and other big puzzle piece for me in terms of my spiritual growth has been um, there was a paper by Cormac McCarthy who wrote No Country for Old Men. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah, it, it's a pretty short essay. I would recommend people read it. I think it's called The Kekule Problem or The Kekule Problem. And it has to do with, um, if you'd like to hear about it. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Um, so it has to do with when they were, I forget what the, uh, his name's probably Kekule. Um, they were trying to figure out an, uh, an atomic structure, a molecular structure. You, like, so when you're mapping molecules, you can find, um, based on the mathematics, you can find the shape of the molecule, basically. Uh, but he found this molecule, and he couldn't figure out the shape of it. He worked on it for months and months and couldn't figure it out. And uh, he went to sleep one night and had a dream of a snake eating its tail, that oh, classic symbol. Oh, and he sure. realized that this, the molecular structure was a ring aurora boris yeah and so cormac mccarthy the the essay is about like why did his brain choose to give him the answer this way because obviously it knew what the problem was the brain knew what the answer was but it didn't communicate it through language it used imagery mm. and it waited till he was asleep so why did it do this and his overall premise was that the subconscious evolved before language did and so it doesn't know how to use it. 
And wow. so a lot of the time that we're communicating with our subconscious or we're taking things in, it's through imagery and it's through metaphor. And so that's been a big part of my spiritual growth has been understanding that like language isn't always the best way to get to the bottom of things. Wow. It is often through like experience, through metaphor, through imagery and things like that. Do you have a dream, Gerald? I don't really dream. So you don't get like pictorial, <laughs> your body, your brain doesn't process it like that. I like to think that I just do so much subconscious work in my waking life that my yeah. brain doesn't need to, but that's probably not true. I'm just, I just, I'm not bad at dream, or I'm bad at dreaming. So then what are the signs and symbols that you're seeing and interpreting? Uh, it can be like any, anything, anywhere. I mean, you can look at anything and take meaning from it if you wish to like everything is metaphorical that that's kind of how i've been living my life for the past two or three years is just that anything if i need it to be is a lesson or a metaphor mm. it is about kind of opening yourself up to that and putting yourself in that kind of paradigm you're in the moment sometimes i try to be <sighs> it's yeah. not a bad way to live life <laughs> in the, in yeah the i mean we grow from every experience we have one way or another True. Yeah, I've been. So, yeah, my I, I, I'm totally on board with everything he just said. Cool. My my lesson that I've been learning recently is that uh, when something happens, <laughs> that doesn't change. But the only thing I can do is my reaction to it. I'm not powerless over that. Like I used oh to sure. write it off. Like that's just the way I react. And there's no other way I can react. Mm. That's just what happens. Mm. And then now I'm like, okay, I'm actually, I can take a. I can make a conscious choice yeah. to react in whatever way I want, and which is like it's uh, it's taken forty five years. Well, <laughs> it's a in long the south journey. and it's in, in small town, it, it's uh, you're better than that. Act like it. Well, but and mm. that's you the know, thing is, and I've I wrong, April? I've always been told that that kind of idea too, like, but that's an external way of saying like act this way or you look weird as opposed yeah. to internally saying I have a choice of how I'm going to react over right. this so that I can present myself in the way of my choosing and that well, gives in you that we were taught that we have a choice you know and yeah. that we were choosing poorly <laughs> yeah. and it just gives you a sense of a greater sense of control over your life yeah you know well because most of my choices as a child I was shamed into making a lot of my choices mm -hmm. so they aren't necessarily my own choice of my own behavior if mm -hmm. I'm shamed out of it yeah as opposed to me choosing to not you know cry in that situation or fly right. off the handle or call someone a cunt face like I don't have to do that yeah um, but sometimes you choose to do that like I do choose to go to the atomic level sometimes well and that's I've tried to recognize that I'm like doing because I yeah. usually guilted away later and say I went atomic but I just couldn't help it but now mm. I'm trying to own that and be like well I chose to go atomic yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and if you're comfortable like living with the consequences of your actions and that's a that's a that's not a bad way of doing mm. things but usually by the time I've gone to that level I have weighed the odds and decided will this get things resolved even if it's not for me but for future people mm. I see what you mean or, or like my yeah. mom used to say, just the do something even if it's wrong. Well, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> picking a battle. You're literally yeah. picking a battle and saying, yeah. this is a battle I'm picking, and here uh -huh. I am. I'm going to die on this hill. I'm dying on this hill. And I, yeah, I'm making a choice to die on this hill. That's not usually what's happening with me. Usually it's like, I just, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and then later I'm like, well, yeah. I have learning, paid learning. so much for that in the past that I'm finally past it. Well, I mean... <laughs> Uh, life's like changing and growing every day. 
Yay. Uh, I used to make positive choices, though, because of the fear of death or hell or Jesus not liking me or getting. If my choice, if your choices are made because you're afraid of getting in trouble, Mm. is it truly a choice or are you just, you know, that that's Mm. when. I don't know, morality comes into play because you're not necessarily being moral. You're just following rules, not because they attune to you personally, but just because I get what you mean. It's it's. In a lot of ways, a big difference between the East and the West is the idea of like guilt being an immoral way of imposing morality mm-hmm. in the West, whereas in the East, I, I think that that is more common because of more of a collectivist idea of, of culture and community. So the idea that like, yeah, shame your children into being good people because we are all one mm-hmm. versus in the West, it's very much like we, we are all individuals. And so the idea that the community has shamed me is like very wrong. And that's that's just something that I tend to notice. It, like, yeah, that's something that I'm kind of on the lookout for, and I just find it interesting the the different ways that we look at um, culture from a Western lens. Yeah, fear is a teacher. Well, it, it should be, and you know, <laughs> that's how we tend to learn. Yeah. Pe- people, I had a woman try to shame me one time because I would make noise, pop on the baby's diaper. That was not to hurt the baby. She didn't even feel it. It was the noise that would scare her into stopping so that I could keep her safe, you know, keep her from doing something that would hurt her. And this woman was just like, I can't believe you would use fear to to teach your child. I was like, hey, lady, they're adults. (laughs) They're well-adjusted adults. I think it worked. They made it through childhood because I taught them what they should fear. Well, I mean, <laughs> fear is powerful. I mean, kids kids don't if you, they don't fall down, they don't know how to get That's up. True. You gotta they you can't put them in plastic wrap all the time. They gotta yeah. Uh, they gotta <laughs> they gotta break. My some parents bones, tried. Some it didn't work. I let my kids learn things, but no, you know, I mean, if they're headed for something, like they're about to grab something hot, and you know. At y- and they're not listening to the no. Yeah, you pop them on the diaper. You make that noise. Well, sure, but otherwise they're going to burn their little hands. Yeah. It's like. Yes. You but I don't know. Questioning people's parenting. It's I don't have kids. I don't have a dog in the race. Mm. You know, so it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there's no. I have no dog in the fight. We're all going to make mistakes. We don't know which ones we made until our kids tell us how much of a fuck up we were. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, hey. So I want to try to always spin it back to religion or God or something metaphysical or esoteric. Uh, here, here's a crazy question. Uh, people who want to commit suicide, should we care? Right? Like if they want to take themselves out, there's too many of us. What are Why the do, we, do we care? They want to, does it matter? I mean, so I work with suicidal teens oh my goodness i did not even know that uh yeah that's a big part of my job and so it's a tough question um because i know that mental illness is often illness and it is something that people can move past and grow from and i like i was suicidal as a as a kid and a teen and so i don't know like i guess i didn't personally get help for that but I know there's a lot of people who've come through our care who, if not for us, would have killed themselves and have now grown to a place where they are past that and are thankful for our care. And so I think that, I don't know, it's it's like a child 
not wanting to eat like it is still your responsibility as a human as a member of their community to make sure that they do and so i think with suicidal ideation or suicide attempts especially for teens and 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 younger even like i i do think that it that is a part of our responsibility as a community to help them with that right, All right. the message to teens really is it does get better yeah. You know, <laughs> I was bullied. I went through a lot of that. Trust, it gets better. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I, I now stand on a stage and make two or 300 people laugh every once in a while. I, w- I'm, I was playing I more de- devil's advocate. I mean, I was, I was suicidal I as a teen, too. But I, there's, a, there's this group online, and they're called the, the anti-humanists. And they're like, save the world, kill yourself. <laughs> and it's <laughs> all about, like, the, everything's falling apart, and the best thing we can do mm is is uh is take ourselves out and i'm like whoa i see that as satire uh it, it's a real thing though and they don't like i can see it i just try to too, continue to see I it as satire let me keep my yeah. perspective yeah sure <laughs> no, perspective. i mean i definitely think there are people who are in positions where they have decided that their life is not worth living anymore and if they are in like a healthy state of mind and they've just made that decision for themselves that's that's definitely a different conversation so like euthanasia no problem with that euthanasia sure like well i don't i don't yep on the record no problem with that like there (laughs) obviously there's a lot of context for these things sure yes i worked at a nursing home in in colorado and yes some of our patients uh chose assisted suicide and in every case i see why they made that decision Mm. and i would stand by it yeah, there I mean, I there would comes a point if I where terrible cancer, uh, I'd take, I'd yeah, be like, I'm not, I don't want. You should have the choice whether or not you have to endure that one more day. Who, I- you know, why should someone else be able to make that choice? But yes, in a situation of teens, it gets better. Hang in there. Mm. <laughs> Hang you know, in there, kids. There, there's a difference the between medical podcast. reasoning and, you know, I don't see a good future. Just, just keep looking. It'll be there. Yeah, I mean. We do live in the United States. There is, there, <laughs> there are measures. That life, life can't get better. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things that have to do with religion. Uh, any, I mean, I'm sorry. I've been doing this. This is. I think this is like the 42nd hour of <laughs> of <laughs> podcasting oh, have, that have we've done. Did you talk much in the last hour of like how you were raised? And oh, I was, I was raised super Christian, okay. like super, super, super drink the kool-aid jesus yeah where did you grow up danville which is here bay area the uh, really really wealthy part of the bay area Mm. yeah i was uh, a capitalist pig and didn't even know it Mm. i thought i was poor you were (laughs) just a piglet i was just a piglet yeah i didn't even know i thought that 90210 was just like what everybody experienced because that was like what my high school was like we wore some of the same outfits everyone was driving the same kind of cars right Everyone was very wealthy, and I was like, I only drive a Hyundai. Yeah. I'm poor. Yeah. My parents only gave me a brand new Hyundai for my 16th birthday. It's not a Mustang or a BMW, so I'm a pile of dog shit. So I'm getting a sense that you kind of grew out of the Christian community that you were yeah, brought up in? Yeah, absolutely. I did acid for the first time and saw okay. God, and I was like, we're cool, bro. And he was like, yeah, we're fine. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Right was on. All that other stuff was bullshit. We're fine. Was there a lot of, I, I assume there was a lot of tension between you and your family Oh, there, there still is. Absolutely. Right. They're all still exceedingly Christian. Okay. Yeah. Fox News, Kool-Aid drinking, are you church going, Jesus singing. Are you able to see positive aspects of that or is it just a negative Sure. Um, 
everyone I know from when I was little that's still Christian is super rich. So that's <laughs> probably pretty positive. Yeah. Uh, and they seem to have happy families. Mm -hmm. So that's nice for them. Do you feel that that's more of like an appearance-based thing? Or are they actually, do you think that they have found... I don't know. Like, they, they definitely appear very Pottery Barn from the outside. Right. So it all looks pretty shiny and happy. But yeah. who knows? Yeah. I, don't, I can't lift back the veil on... Uh, I mean, right. I, don't, I think I see the hypocrisy in Christianity. And I, it's difficult for me to... Separate that out. Right. Yeah. Like, it... I mean, even Catholicism. We kill so many people in the name of what? And it's like the top three religions are all the same, come from the same guy, and we, but we hate Muslims. Mm. Like they're all Abrahamic, six yeah. monotheistic religions, but we're like, well, but, but your monotheistic religion is just a little bit different from mine. So right. we're gonna we're gonna kill you and demonize you and say right. you're bad. And anything that, um, you know, when they took over Ireland, they. Oh, the Protestants called, versus called, the Catholics. They yeah. called everything that uh, uh, was knowledge. They co they considered everything that was science that that the folks knew pagan. Oh, sure. You know, and then when they got Jesus. to the Americas, they burned entire libraries throughout South America. Um, they they were a lot more medically advanced than than we are now, but we don't know what they did because the Catholic Church burned the libraries because it was because those dirty heathens <laughs> yes it was heathen. <laughs> dirty heathens ruining everything when you look at how the catholic church has destroyed so much how can you look at it positively it's i mean it's still a big like money making people following i mean they have their own like nation state yeah. basically yeah so how does one dismantle that when it's part of like the universal gestalt and we say these things are important and then now we go, well, are those important? But they're still, it's it, it's like uh, we've built a house and the pillars are still there. And you can knock down the house, but the pillars are still there. Mm. So you're just using the same foundation and building a different house. Mm. But like, yeah, that foundation is still like based on what? Some weird myth that but we're like, no, no, it's not a myth. It's true. And mm. I believe it this way. But, oh, I believe this other strange little nuance. So you clearly... Mormon is Mormonism a cult? I, I, I don't know. Christians say it is. Many say yeah, you know Catholic any Mormons? Church is a cult. Yeah, I, I grew up with a, or not really grew up, but in my high school there were a few Mormons. I mean, good family people, I guess. I, I don't know. Tends to be. I mean, it's just, it's a ten, from what I see from an outsider, it seems like it's really great if it's working for you and if it's not it's really terrible because uh. then you become ostracized and you feel very alone and there's there's not a lot of community support for somebody who is questioning you know right similar probably similar to the amish <laughs> probably but they have that uh rumspringa thing right you get to take two years and be be a normie yeah yeah and they even have like kind of a, a middle ground where they can go you know, and, and kind of be like, there's a half and half religion. Like, I, I can't. Taste the fruits of the devil. And yeah, and you see the ladies walking around in the mall and stuff with the little bonnets on and stuff like that. But they're mm. allowed to have cell phones oh. and drive and that sort of thing. Yeah. Sure. Those are like, from, from what I gather, that's like that middle ground, like from Amish to. It's like Jews that eat pork. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know quite a few. Yeah, hey, me too. I, me, every, a lot of that stuff is contextual. Like, pigs rooted in their own shit and if you add i mean the reason that 
there's no the Jews don't eat the shellfish is they were probably getting super sick from shellfish. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they weren't. The so same reason you don't mix meats because they uh, they have to be cooked at different temperatures. People died from the food poisoning. Sure. And right. that's where I believe a lot of the Jewish diet came from. Is oh we don't know why that happened, so we're not. So gonna we're not going to eat that anymore. Or yeah. Hey, no more shellfish. individually these are all great, but we mix them together, people die. So we have yeah, to eat the meat, meat separate. I mean, you know, that's makes, what I'm figuring. It makes sense that like early holy books are, they are a combination of like how to survive manuals yeah. meets like spiritual poetry. Mm. And I think if you're reading them like that, they just make more sense and are more valuable. Yeah. Because it shows you a, like, like they were saying, like it's just a context for survival of these desert dwelling tribes basically from the beginning. And they were just like, well, you know, we need to know not to have sex with animals and stuff and yeah. so they wrote it down and then like <laughs> then they just they started adding on like uh, what i think is spiritual poetry or spiritual mythology and just like ways of coming to terms with being alive and some people take that stuff too literally and i think that's where the problem usually sure ends up yeah the bible's got some weird stuff when they oh, yeah. the manna from heaven i'm always like what does that represent that they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years but every morning god provides them bread from the sky but you can't save it you weren't allowed to save it because the next day it would rot so mm. you had to have faith that god was going to provide you because they were in the desert which want like every morning they had to go out and, and i'm like what somebody was midnight raiding well something was <laughs> something was going on somebody was midnight raiding and coming up with some food i, I mean really it was i know for 40 years where'd god this come from don't ask morning? god what gave it that? to us well right but so like it, when we look at these myths that have been written down and it's like well what was the purpose of that is it truly to like completely give yourself over to this external being that my like i trust in god there he is every morning he's going to provide me food mm. Like, what does that gain us for self-preservation? Well, I mean, I think this gets back into kind of what I was saying of, of taking things too literally. Like, even if you're questioning it you know, on a literal level, I think I think you often you're mi kind of missing the point. Um, and it, it I, I try to think of it back to what I was saying about uh, metaphor yeah. is like, this is probably a metaphor, like of, of something that they went through and decided to write down or whatever. Um, but you brought up, there being weird things in the Bible. Are you familiar with like the Song of Solomon? Oh, love it. Yeah, it's, I used to masturbate to the Song of Solomon when I was a kid. It's so strange that nobody talks about it, that there's just an erotic poem in the middle of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Your your breasts are yeah. like two deer on the meadow. Yeah, it's all like I, I knelt beneath the shade of his tree and tasted his fruit and stuff. It's, yeah. it's just a it's bunch of, it's it's a straight up erotic poem that yeah. nobody talks I about. Used, I used to masturbate to that as a child because I didn't have anything else. Then I was right. I read a lot, so it was Song of Solomon for me. Right. I was like, the Bible is here. It's sexy. Look, it's yeah. Even if I was bored in, in chapel, I'd open it up and I'd read the Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically, it's a, it's a love poem from... David to Bathsheba uh, was one of his wives that he stole from someone else or killed her husband or sure. something and then wrote her a pretty poem about, and it's in the Bible. Yeah. It's all super sexy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What's that a metaphor for? <laughs> Just getting it on. Getting it on, got it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good, everybody look up Song of Solomon. Yeah, they never, they never talk too. about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little one. I always wondered about the lot's wife thing and not right. that lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt i get that like you're not supposed to have a remembrance of those crazy orgy times don't and wanting back. you don't look back i get that but 
after Lot's two daughters and Lot, they, they go up and they're hiding in this cave. Mm. And Lot's <laughs> daughters get Lot super, super, super drunk. And yeah. then they have sex with him because they think they're the only people left and they have to keep the Jewish species going on. Right. And species, then they just I don't, I don't end think it's it. a species. Species, I don't know. Or race. Race, race yeah. Jewish. Let's go race. <laughs> I'm the accidental racist. I'm sorry if that triggered anybody. I'm sorry. It's just words coming out of my mouth. But they have sex with their dad. And then, like, everything ends. There's no explanation whatsoever for it. And I'm like, what's the metaphor there? Like, there, no one says, hey, it's bad to get your dad drunk and rape him i mean i, I think if if i i'm not super familiar with that aspect of the bible but i think what i'm hearing is the takeaway theme is like keep moving forward no matter what like that has oh. to be like you have you this was a time I within i guess the jewish culture where that like it was all about survival as it it tends to be within the jewish culture yeah. and so it's like yeah don't look back or you'll get turned to salt and like you gotta fuck your dad. You gotta fuck your dad. Like, just <laughs> wow. keep on trucking. Just keep on trucking. Yeah, for the people, you gotta fuck your dad. It's all good. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, that's my takeaway. Just, it's kind of gross. I'm sure there are better ones, but no, I'm digging it. Yeah, it's uh, in Bible interpretation with Lee it's Cox just, here. It's, it's as Portland. good as any interpretation I've heard. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Never stop. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Thanks, story. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, good stuff. A uh, couple minutes left here on Some Call Me Tunes. And uh, talking about weird <laughs> religious stuff. But, I mean, you're, none of that. What, so what are some, some books that influence you? If the Bible hasn't influenced you at all, what are some of the, some of the either, you said Joseph Campbell. So other than yeah. Joseph Campbell um, and yeah. the hero, hero with a Thousand Faces. Hero with a Thousand Faces is super dense but very worth reading. Um, I don't know, like, in terms of, I'm trying to think of things that have influenced kind of my spiritual being. Um, Joseph Campbell takes the cake on it, but I would say, um, oh, and if you've read Joseph Campbell, I would also recommend, I forget who it's by, but The Hike, real good. Um, it's just a really good laying out of the monomyth. Um, but let's see, um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, okay. The Power of Now and stuff like that has been really helpful to me. And then in terms of just like trying to be a better person, uh, all of Brene Brown's work. I don't even know who that is. You don't? No. Okay. I would really recommend you look up any TED Talks by her. So she was a, um, I believe, psychologist and her, her area of study was shame. It's oh, like, oh why, why? I definitely have to read this. Yeah. It's it's like why we feel shame and, and what it what it means to like live with shame, how shame is different than guilt and like... Oh. It's it's she just she does actually like a good job of laying out kind of not exactly step by step but like guidelines for living a more what she calls wholehearted life like a shameless life hopefully not, not, yeah somewhat shameless to some degree but also just a life that is more full it, it, it's one that we can be authentically ourselves and things like that so I I really recommend like if you're if you're feeling like you can't fully be yourself or or there's just like something missing between you and i don't know living authentically like her her and it's research like that's the nice thing about it is it's all rooted in research um she just talks to people who are living more fully and contrasts that against people who are living less fully and like what are the differences and sure so and i what is a what is living a less full life like watching t 12 hours of tv day obviously or well, like yeah well i mean it's it's just like not 
not feeling fulfilled in what you're doing and not having the necessarily like the power to change that and just just living living inauthentically like living through creeds that you don't fully believe Uh. things like that because you're ashamed of like being pushed to the outside of whatever social group you're in so you you just kind of go with the flow I don't want to use the term sheeple, but that that kind of thing, like how you can overcome that and like what that looks like, what that process is going to be like. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Brene Brown. I really recommend her. Yeah. I've never thought of shame being different than guilt. Well, yeah. I mean, guilt is well. she describes it as guilt is I've done something bad versus shame is I am a bad person. Oh, wow. So guilt is very useful if you have harmed someone or done something wrong because you can learn from that. Whereas shame, if you think I am a bad person, there's no there's no quick response to that. There's no helpful response to feeling like you are a bad person. There's no way right. to grow from that. And the thought process leads down two different paths. Right. Well, I, I constantly tell myself I hate myself. I've been trying to, s- to change that diatribe in my mind. Like there's right. no reason to have that be the first. Like even if I'm like, joking through oh i hate myself but it's like wait a minute those yeah, words have power and meaning. Why, yeah, the, why? the more you hear it the more you say it the more it will become right right and it, it leads to greater inaction like it leads to less positive growth because i hate myself well then why bother to be a better person because i sure. hate i hate myself i don't want you know i don't want somebody i hate to prosper in any way right so it's changing the <laughs> the narrative, the narrative yourself, yeah, yeah the personal narrative oh, yeah. why would you i mean why does it matter if somebody you hate prospers because i want them to suffer if i hate them ah and so if you hate I yourself, mean, if you hate I, yourself. I, I, I guess i've suffering. just never felt hate to that level i mean get on but it yeah <laughs> get on it. It's it's it i'm just kidding sometimes <laughs> i <laughs> use sometimes i used in the past i used that self-hatred as a um Springboard, springboard or, for yeah. creativity. And Sometimes. in fact, when I was a poet, I'd spe- I'd specifically make myself, I notice patterns now, because this was like 10 years ago, I notice patterns now that so I'd make myself unhappy because mm. it made me, it hadn't gave me more things to write about. Right. R- and that, that inner tension can be good for creativity, but I think if anyone, anyone who has lived with like long-term inner tension and then moved past it, they know that you can create so much more easily and prolifically without that right exactly we we have that idea that like well without without my depression what am i like look at a depressed person like meet a depressed person and see how creative they are like how how productive they are like it's not like you don't still have those experiences of self-hatred once you come out of depression you're just now able to talk about it and create artwork around it yeah as opposed to i was specifically using though like I was putting my, I can see it now with perfect clarity because, you know, it is the future and that was the past. <coughs> but how I was specifically putting myself in situations mm-hmm. that I would then write about and be like, oh, it's such a good point. But if I don't, if I don't have this, like, this horrible thing in my life that can I, how can I create without being unhappy? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like with, uh, there was, I was like, you can't be a poet and be happy. You can't write poems about happy things. Those mm-hmm. aren't, like, meaningful to people. Uh, I mean, that's not true either. Those are the ones I'm drawn to. (laughs) From a place of happiness, you can still write about your state of unhappiness. Like you have greater, a lot of the time, you have a a greater perception about it. You have greater oversight of view on what it was. 
Yeah. You know. Ugh. It, it's like you're you're like the shaman of the afternoon. You've brought the calm <laughs> back to the space. I feel like we should burn some sage or some shit. <laughs> do some <laughs> do some weird witchy shit. We'll 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 spark some more weed. Uh, hey, we're here at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. Uh, this is another Some Call Me Tim. I'm joined by Lee Cox and April Gallaty and Billy Joe Gillespie. Tonight is a show at El Rio, doors at 8.30, show from 9 to 11. I hope everybody comes. It's going to be real, real fun. And, uh, yeah. what? Uh, what's just to totally, we'll try to end on something happy. What's your favorite thing about San Francisco thus far, Lee? Favorite thing about San Francisco? I mean, I've just been walking around a lot and kind of enjoying... Well, I mean, the weather is nice. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. like having grown up in the Pacific Northwest. Like, it's it's just nice for it to be sunny out. Um, but I don't. There's just a lot going on. Um, yeah, there's there's just I I haven't I've explored mostly just through walking around and like looking at stuff. But I'm I'm hoping to go to like an art museum later today and things like that. Just kind of cool. taking a little bit more. I like the uh, I like the cable cars too. They're cool. I like the old-timey cars that go down market because uh, yeah. I like to think about, you know, in 1940, who was riding this car mm. and where were they and, like, were they going to work? Yeah. What were they doing? I love old-timey shit. So the f- there's a free museum. If you like old-timey rail cars and stuff like that, mm. the Muni has a free museum oh, cool. that's at the middle of that Muni line. It's right by the ferry building. And they have all kinds of cool old-timey pictures of San Francisco from like the Gold Rush days when they mm. started doing – how they started with the trolleys and they were horse-drawn. Mm. And they'd go down to Playland on the beach and mm. they'd go down to the beach and then how that became the Geary 38. Anyways, I love buses. I'm, I'm like almost on the spectrum because I love Muni so much. <laughs> Public transportation, yeah. But that's a free one to check out. But also cool. like the MoMA is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there the other week, the third Thursday of the month in San Francisco. There's free museum days. You can go anywhere you want. Oh, wow. Uh, they're all open. They're all free. So um, You should do the festival next year on the th- to encompass the third Thursday because that would be pretty cool. I mean, we'll see what the calendar looks like next mm. year. But, yeah, because it's – yeah, there's all kinds of – also, if anyone's on food stamps, you can show them your food stamp card, and you can get you and up to three people in at almost all of the museums in San Francisco as well. Oh, wow. So I don't know if anybody's on. If anyone else is on food stamps, do you know <laughs> if that would work with out-of-state cards? I don't see why not, because okay. food stamp cards are uh, federal. Federal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So hey, everybody, go see some. Let's go see some art. Dope. Yeah, dope stuff. Uh, hey, does anybody want to plug anything from their other life, like podcasts you do or things you run out in wherever you are? Or I'm going to be in Youngstown, Ohio, the 18th through the 21st for the World Series of Comedy Competition. Cool. Youngstown, Ohio. And I'm going to be on the Comedy Project in Denver, which is going to be a very... I don't know what channel it's going to be on yet, but... Probably, probably you can find it on YouTube after. (laughs) Most likely. (laughs) You can find everything there. Uh, Do you... What do you... What do you do up in Portland? For fun. For fun? No, no. I feed crows. That's it. I don't run anything. I just do mics and shows and travel around a little bit. Sweet. Um, my Twitter handle, I'll just throw it out. Lee underscore Cox with three X's. Triple X. Yeah. Awesome. April, what do you do up there? Um, I am going to be in North Carolina in Greensboro for the North Carolina Comedy Festival uh, March 23rd through the 27th. You are a festival fiend. I love it. 
I love it. I've made so many connections and friends, and yeah, I've learned a lot over the past couple of years. I'm taking, this is the last one. North Carolina is my last one this year. I'm taking a break from that. I'm going to stick to the Pacific Northwest, I think, for a while. Good stuff. Well, yeah. Thank you I'm all. I'm loving the travels. Um, let me throw out my Instagram yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. It's BJ Gillespie. That's G-I-L-L-I-S-P-I-E. Comedy. Yeah. And uh, get those followers. Thanks for listening to Some Call Me Tim. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we have Like an Adult Podcast with Mike Nordstrom and Chris Ferdinandson. And don't forget tonight to come to El Rio. It's going to be an amazing show. I'm super excited. Polly Pop-Tart, the amazing drag queen introduction drag queen she's going to be hosting. And I'm super excited for everything at the festival. Buy your tickets now for our shows all here at the station starting on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All kinds of great people. And thanks for joining us, everyone. Yay! Thanks so much, Pam. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, 
Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Are the end times upon us? Not yet, my friends. Please, this is an impassioned plea from Pam Benjamin, the director of Mutiny Radio. Let us live past October. You think it's a joke? COVID is decimating all of us, and especially us here at Mutiny Radio. We have money left until October first don't let anyone sing despite of their size please please go donate to our gofundme go to mutinyradio.fm and click that gofundme button or just go to venmo mutiny radio all one word just mutiny radio give us five bucks Help us keep free speech and radical self-expression real and alive here in San Francisco and all over the world. Please donate to our Mutiny Radio GoFundMe and keep us alive. 